the Big Ten almost got a little bit disrespected, if you will. Take it as you will, Steve. That's what I should say. But the AP preseason top 25 came out this week. And with that, only three teams made the top 25 for the Big Ten. But what was probably the most interesting out of the three teams that made the top 25 was the highest, the best team in that rankings was Indiana, which we'll get to Indiana. We'll have a lot to talk about Indiana here shortly. But they were ranked 13th. With that being said, that was the first time in 45 years, Steve. 1977, that a Big Ten team was not ranked in the top 10 for a preseason poll. Wow. I personally think, this is how I feel about it. I don't know if it's such a disrespect. Because if you look at the others receiving votes, there's a plethora of Big Ten teams down there. So what I think is that there is just not a consensus mind of who believes what teams are the top teams in the Big Ten. Just like you said, this conference battles against each other. And at the preseason right now, there's just no clear-cut winner, no clear-cut favorite. Maybe a, a one that sticks out in your mind, but two, three, four, even down to six or seven, might not be a solid concrete answer. And I think that might have affected some of the other Big Ten teams that got as only as high as 13 or in some cases 22, 23. And I don't think it's a disrespect. I think it's actually a nice little curtsy or a bow to the Big Ten saying, <laughs> well, hey, I look, we on, know you're tough. I think on one level, okay, there, there have been some major impact players that have graduated from some of the better programs. They have had people transfer out. They've also had people transfer in. But so I, I think that what this poll might reflect in a lot of the more veteran writers and veteran observers, Big Ten teams are going to need time in November, December until conference play begins, even the early parts of the conference play, before these teams gel, before they really have a, a firm grip on what they have. But then come February and conference tournament time, you, I honestly believe we're going to see some of the best basketball in the nation played in the Big Ten. I'm with you. I really think that's the case. I think there's a lot to talk about. We're only going to discuss five teams, but – We'll get to at the end. There are going to be some teams that we left out that deserve to be in this conversation, and we probably will discuss them a lot uh, come throughout the season. So let's start off with our five, and let's get with the first, first four right off the bat, and let's start off with a team, the Illinois Fighting Alignment. I think this team is so interesting right off the bat. Some people, um, we like to discuss CBS Sports a lot because we do really enjoy their content. They have, some of them have Illinois as first. I've seen them all, all the way, some of the experts down there as low as fourth. And really, again, with the Big Ten, you don't know where you think these teams are going to place. I like Illinois this year. They are turning over their roster quite a bit, but it does help having good players coming in like Shannon and Mayer, who are going to be some good transfers. Uh, they do have some really interesting teams that's going to help them out. Obviously, Coleman Hawkins, RJ Melendez are going to be back, so that should help them out as well. This team should be a good contender that we should see throughout the year into the Big Ten tournament and probably into March as well. Absolutely, and it's an interesting thing because Brad Underwood had the perfect opportunity to kind of reimagine the kind of roster that he wanted to have. When you lo lose a Coburn, you just can't replace a guy like that. And I think Illinois has fallen victim to focusing too much on the inside game. And so when it gets to NCAA tournament time, they don't match up well. Underwood has brought in a terrific class of guards. Sky Clark should have gone to Kentucky. He thought enough of Underwood in this program. 
Plus, he was smart enough to realize that he's going to get playing time. So if he wants to be a one and done, and there's a lot of talk about him being a one and done, it makes more sense to go to Illinois than to go to Kentucky because Kentucky's got 10 one and dones. So it, 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 it was a huge ad as far as the recruiting class goes. By all accounts, he's going to be a dynamic distributor of the basketball. What little that I have seen of him on tape, he can shoot. I think it's going to take him time to find his rhythm and be able to know when to take the shot and not to try to dish it off. But, I mean, as you mentioned, there's a lot of weapons. Melendez is coming back. He can flat out score. Yeah, I like Sky Clark. I think Sky Clark is probably going to be your starting guard. There is some concern there, I will say, because you don't really know what you're going to get out of him. I mean, other than, you know, at the college level, we should say. But as long as he can find a way to get that ball to Terrence Shannon coming over from Texas Tech, who averaged almost 13 points a game, and then obviously maybe down lower to the wings of Matthew Mayer, who arguably, in my mind, was probably the best pickup for Illinois this this year. I think they probably were not going too far in this conference until they got Mayer. Um, but if you can find a way to get to those two players, they stand a really strong chance. If Sky Clark can utilize that, get, get Mayer the ball, and then find his own game in the middle of that, he's in a really good spot. You know who's going to help Clark is Luke Good. He's six seven. He has a wingspan of like a condor. I mean, I mean, I mean, and he can shoot. I mean, he shoots almost thirty five percent from three points. And with this new reimagining that Underwood is undertaking, you have to have a guy like that in you know uh, as your two guard to be able to do that. This can take a lot of pressure and a lot of decision making. You know, off of Clark in the early going. Mayor is so interesting because he can step outside to keep a defense honest. I think he'll, you know, he can be a player that can, can mix it up in the paint a little bit. I mean, he's not super physical, but I think he's that kind of guy. And I really wonder how big a step forward Hawkins is going to take. He doesn't need to take a giant leap to be really, really good and get all conference consideration. But I wonder how much he's going to be able to do that. And if he does, I think then all of the pieces are now in place. So come tournament time, it's not Illinois is going to have an early exit. Illinois has a chance to prove that they've got the versatility that perhaps they haven't displayed in the past. Pretty interesting and pretty exciting to see, especially for Illinois fans. Their football team and their basketball team currently ranked in the top 25. Let's move on over and talk about team number two here. And that is a team we're going from a team who had a lot of turnover to a team that really did not have too much turnover and a team who had no transfers, a rare team at that with no transfers here in this era and this world of college basketball. And that is the Iowa Hawkeyes. Welcome back. Yeah, look at that shirt. He even knows it with that. With that, you welcome back Pat McCaffrey, Chris Murray, Tony Perkins, Flip, Rebecca, Peyton Sanford, Ashford Ulis, and Connor McCaffrey. You see the McCaffrey's on there, but you don't see two Murray's. That's the biggest question mark in this one here. With Keegan Murray, obviously, being the fourth overall pick in the NBA draft last year, he's not returning to Iowa. His brother, Chris Murray, is going to have to be the big game changer for the Hawkeyes this year. What are your thoughts on Iowa? I believe that come tournament time on both the men's and the women's side, there will be an Iowa Hawkeyes squad in the men's final four and the women's final four. Now on the women's, women's side, 
I think everybody would say, oh, good pick. Glad you picked that up. And we are going to talk women's basketball over the course of the year, too. Just, I don't want to put that out there. I don't want people to think it's just men's basketball. I think women, I think the women's game at the college level is as fun and as impactful, really, in a, on a lot of levels as the men's game. Men's game generates more revenue because you've got, you know, March Madness and everything, but the women's tournaments are always just so much fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And it's, and you're getting more depth on the women's side, but we'll talk about that on a different segment. I really think that by the end of the year, this Iowa team is going to come together and they're going to just blow through the Big Ten tournament, and they're going to find their way into the Final Four. One of the best coaches around. He is great at adjusting, not only in-game, but as the season progresses. If there's injuries, if there needs to be a different rotation, it, it's just amazing how well, and it's just the, that instinct he seems to have. You watch him on the sideline, and you can you can see the wheels turning. And, he, and he's not thinking about what's happening right now. He's looking a couple of minutes ahead saying, boy, you know, it looks like, you know, their guards are getting a little bit tired. Maybe we can pick up the pace. So Iowa has everything at its disposal to be an Uber team come end of the year. Will there be some hiccups early? I think there were, you, you, you can't lose Murray, a player of that caliber and not, have some hiccups. His brother just needs to be Chris Murray. That's all he needs to be. You know, and, and I, again, I think with the team around him, he's not going to feel pressured to be more than that. I'm with you. Yeah. Chris Murray had a great season last year, averaged almost 10 points a game, almost five rebounds per game. That's something that I was going to need to continue. If he finds a way to improve that just a little bit on each side, I think that'll be great for the Hawkeyes. Patrick McCaffrey is going to be another big piece for the Hawkeyes. We need to see him score average almost 11 points per game. I'd like to see that more towards the 13, 14 range. I think that could really help out this Hawkeyes team. This is one of those teams on the football aspect. You see it too. They just grind. And yes. when you know that you have to play Iowa on their basketball team, you're going into a tough, a tough matchup. This is like, if you're an ACC fan, this is like going to play Virginia. Like you just have one of those tough defensive games. Iowa can shoot though too. So um, I'm excited for this one. I think Iowa has a really, uh, really interesting road ahead of them because you're losing Keegan Murray. And I think we're going to initially see them right off the bat against some really good teams. Their schedule and, and is, Bohannon too. I mean, Bohannon's another huge loss. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, that goes completely overshadowed because of the Keegan Murray. Because, um, yeah, because Keegan Murray's so, so good. I mean, you almost forget him. Speaking of that schedule, Steve, the Iowa Hawkeyes are going to be playing some of the toughest teams in November that probably compared to other teams in the Big Ten and even the NCAA are going to have a hard time paying attention to. Like this is one of those schedules that are tougher off the bat. I know you said that you think this is a Final Four team. You're going to find out very quickly. I mean, the third game of the year for them is the the tip-off game. They play Seton Hall. Now, we didn't cover them in the Big East, but that's one of those teams you got to pay attention to. They're also playing in the Emerald Coast Classic against Clemson, who lost a heartbreaker in the ACC tournament last year. They're going to play Georgia Tech in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And then in December, the beginning of December, they play in the Jimmy V Classic against Duke. 
So a lot of really tough teams. I just mentioned what four tough teams, four tough games in their first seven. So we are going to really get to know the Iowa Hawkeyes and what kind of team they are at the beginning of the season. And what's going to help them even with that tough schedule is that many of those teams have a similar profile where they're having to bring in new players, either through graduation or through transfer uh, or, or having a big recruiting class. So those teams are going to be feeling their way as well. But the great part about the challenge so early is going to allow their backcourt to develop. Tony Perkins can shoot the ball. I think he's going to be a reliable scoring option at the two. But DeSante Brown could very well be the most impactful recruit of the entire of the entire field that's out there. He is he is exciting. I think I've heard people compare him to Allen Iverson. I, I don't know that I want to go that far that soon. Because I think Allen Iverson at 15 probably could have played NCAA basketball. I mean, you don't have that kind of talent very often. But I think if you give DeSante Brown some confidence, even in tough moments in early games, having those challenges where he doesn't maybe get too comfortable, then suddenly conference play comes up and it's like, oh, oh my God, no deer in a headlight kind of deal. Uh, DeSante Brown is going to make that offense go. So I cannot wait to see his maturity through the year. And I know I keep saying final four team come tournament time guard play is essential. You guys are going to want to have a mute button because you're going to know at some point I'm going to talk about guard play with any really serious contender. I was backcourt at this point because they're unproven or inexperienced aren't in any of the preseason top 10 rankings. Come the end of the year, they're, they're going to have one of the top four or five backcourts in the country. I really believe that I'm that high on the Haw Hawkeyes backcourt, and I think they're going to have good depth. So there, there can be a rotation in. It's going to take them time to develop and feel comfortable in their roles. But, you know, uh, Fran McCaffrey come tournament time, I don't want to coach against him, but I think he, he has the roster that he knows can go deep an any tournament run. And I think they just blow away the big 10 conference. I, I, I think in the tournament, I think it's, I was going to win it. It's just a matter to see what seeding is after that. You're going to search guard play on Google and you're going to find deodorant promos and you're going to find all of our videos with the amount of times that Steve's <laughs> going to say that during the season. Let's move to uh, number three here and let's talk about the Michigan Wolverines. I think this team is very exciting and very interesting to talk about. They made the preseason top 25. And honestly, I'm quite surprised. I do believe they're going to be a good basketball team, but I'm surprised they made the preseason top 25 because they had a great recruiting class last year, but they did turn over a big part of their roster. They do still have the favorite in my mind for the conference player of the year in Hunter Dickinson. That's probably what made them there get into that preseason. But when you look at other than Dickinson, who comes back, yeah, Terrence Williams, great. Kobe Bufkin's great. Jace Howard's good. But you look at everybody else. I mean, there's a transfer from Princeton, transfer from Duke. You got red shirts coming in. And then a whole bunch of other four stars, freshmen, a lot of question marks for the Wolverines. And how they will handle that is going to be a big question mark, especially in a very deep Big Ten conference. Your thoughts on the Wolverines this year? What's funny, you mentioned when we talked about Illinois and Iowa, you mentioned their football teams and how in a way that kind of mirror each other. 
you can say the same thing about the, the Wolverines. Celebrity, celebrity coach, Harbaugh in football, Jawan Howard in basketball. I think that takes you, gives you some instant credibility, even with, you know, the, the suspension and some of the odd happenings with Howard. He showed he knows how to put a, a squad together and how to coach. Jalen Llewellyn in the, the Big Ten is going to have jaws drop. This guy can score. In the Ivy League, you tend to, even though it's getting a little bit more wide open, he kind of got lost a little bit in the system that, that Princeton plays. But he is going to be, everybody's going to be talking about come December and January. Who is this guy? You know, why, why would, how can somebody from the Ivy League step into the Big Ten and, and be a superstar? He has that potential. I'm really excited about that. So you've got Dickinson, you got Llewellyn. So you know they're going to be able to score with anyone. They've got talent up and down that roster. So they're going to be fun. It's a matter of will they be disciplined enough? Will they stay out of foul trouble so that when they're in close games late, now suddenly they're scrambling. I'm, I'm not as sold on their depth yet, but the Wolverines are another team in the Big Ten that will probably flourish later than sooner. So I can see why people are falling in love with the Wolverines. I, I can see it um, certainly more than I can see one of the teams we're going to talk about here in a little bit. When you can score at the rate that they're going to be able to score, I mean, you're going to be a tournament team. So I think Michigan Wolverine fans should be really, really excited about this squad. Are they going to win the Big Ten? I really doubt it. I really doubt it. But they're going to be fun to watch, and they're going to give teams troubles and give them fits all the way through the season. The only thing that concerns me about Llewellyn, I mean, he had a fantastic year last year in Princeton, 15.7 points per game, almost 16. But when you look at his assists, he's hardly breaking three. And that's somebody who, I, in my mind, looking at this roster, is going to have to facilitate that ball to a guy like Hunter Dickinson, who averaged almost 19 points a game. He got his rebounds great, but Hunter's going to need to get that ball if he wants to you know, lead the, the conference and be that conference player of the year up front runner a guy like Llewellyn is going to have to do that. And we really didn't see him facilitate it in the Ivy league. Will he do it in the big 10? That is to me a big question that we probably are going to get answered sooner than later, but you'd have to say that that's definitely a concern initially right off the bat. Well, I agree in coming out of high school, he was considered to be a, a diamond, not something you had to, you know, to put pressure and polish to become a diamond. He was considered to be an all around basketball player. I think he was asked he was in a tough situation where he was asked to shoot more because he was he was the best shooter they had, but also he was at, he had to sometimes step back in the system and it just didn't work out that he was getting his shots. I don't worry about him being able to distribute the basketball and get it where he needs to get it, um, but the fact is he can also pull up, you know, drain a three, drain an important basket. So I really think he's a great compliment to Dickinson. I think you're going to see him be a different player, but a much better and more productive player now that he's moved up 
you know, a step, well, more than a step, really, in, in competition. I, I think he is going to, in the Big Ten game, Llewellyn's the kind of guy that flourishes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Again, just think that just might be a slight concern initially right off the bat. When you look at their schedule, they start off pretty decent, pretty easy. Could be some good warm-ups, you would hope, right? You and mean a Michigan have- team is playing cupcake? I can't believe it. I can't believe that actually happens. Yeah, initially. And then you get to the end of November and then you face UVA in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That's really their first true. And then it really starts getting going. Beginning of December, they play Kentucky. End of December, the Jumpman Invitational, they're playing UNC. So November and December isn't a walk in the park. Just the beginning of November, it's going to be a walk in the park. They should have, they should head into against Virginia. There should be no issue. They should head in 5-0. and We'll see what happens. Really, again, that relies on Jalen Llewellyn. Can he facilitate the belt and Dickinson and then Jet Howard. We didn't really talk about Jet Howard, the son of the coach. It seems like I could just be speculating here, but it seems like the team was built around him so he can have a big part in the roster. They built around him. Now, whether that's a good thing or not, we're going to see his skill a little more this year, but it seems like the coach Howard, (laughs) found a way to get his son to play a larger role. Now there really is no option because of how they built around him. So that could be one of those pieces that could fall apart or really flourish as well. So really looking forward to that portion. All right, moving on to our fourth team. We move to Tom Izzo and the Michigan state Spartans. You're going to find out very quickly on this podcast that we are a huge Tom Izzo fan, really big fan of Izzo and the Spartans. Michigan state has one of those interesting teams. We're not sure if they can be good or bad this year. I think that they have one of the stable, most stable teams in, in the league, but I do think that they um, have a lot of question marks as well. Not many transfers, no transfers, actually. Just like Iowa, you do bring back Malik Hall, Tyson Walter, Joey Hauser, A.J. Gowder, Jaden Atkins, and Matty Sissico. Your thoughts on the Spartans? Last year, their Torvik was a 41st in the nation. That was something to keep in mind on that one. But the Spartans, in my mind, Always should be relevant. Always should be in in the running, in in my mind, in the Big Ten. But this year, again, this conference is just so dang deep, Steve. Yeah. Tom Izzo is a tournament play savant. You know, it's almost like he, he holds things back until the right time in big games, and then suddenly his team just pours it on. And I'm not saying pouring it on, scoring 110 points, but they just a, a, an unsla- an onslaught that just can't be stopped or controlled even. A big key here is that Malik Hall and Joey Hauser are going to be on the floor together for the most part for the first time. They've generally been spelling each other prior, but now with the departures, they're going to be on the floor at the same time. And if they can perform, if they can get the most out of their talents, I don't know that either of these guys are an NBA caliber player, but they have a chance to be damn good college basketball players. They're already probably halfway there as as we speak. If they can truly play together, and I have a feeling that that there's a chemistry there. There's an unspoken. They know who's going to be where on the court at any given time. That is going to really be a key for how Michigan State fares during the regular season and what kind of tournament run they might be able to have. The other thing to think about is they may they may play small quite often. They may go with a three-guard rotation, 
So that will be interesting to see how other teams adapt to that. They could very easily find that to be troublesome to shift from not that they're super big, but to go from having size on the court to having three guards on the court at the same time. And if teams are ready for that, that could work against what Izzo's plan might be along that. You might need to see them go away from that. But I mean, Michigan State's always going to be in the conversation as long as Tom Izzo is there. And I think, I think once he does and what Tom Izzo has got to be, what, 95, 96, (laughs) at some point he is going to retire. Tom, I'm not making fun of you, but I mean, I mean, you've been around a long time and that's another, some of the, that's so great about college basketball. You have coaches that stay in places 10, 15, 20, 25 years. And it's just, it's so special. It's so great to see those kind of guys, you know, on the sideline, you know, we're, we're going to be missing, you know, coach, we talked about um, Shashevsky leaving Duke. We talked about Jay Wright and our last podcast, no longer being at Villanova, but just knowing that you have a guy on the sidelines that's always been there when that team is on, I, I think it just automatically gives you a reason to watch the game because yeah. you have um, pleasant flashbacks. And I think having Izzo on the bench is worth minimum three wins in the Big Ten above what might be projected. That's fair. And as you say, the end for Izzo may be coming a lot sooner than we anticipated i know he's not too thrilled about the nil deals and all that stuff he has talked about retirement um at least has you know talked about it a little bit it's more than than usual my point here michigan state is i could see this team as high as finishing second or third in the big 10 or finishing as low as like seven eight or nine and being a bubble team in the ncaa and possibly missing the tournament for the first time in 25 straight years this is one of those teams and it all depends on continuity because there's not a certain player on this team that sticks out to you like a Hunter Dickinson of Michigan that says this is the guy that's going to get you into Fair. the NCAA tournament. They are they are a very good team if they can find continuity. They can, you know, play two sided basketball and and really and really just glue. They're going to be tested probably worse than any other team in the nation. In the month of November, you look at their schedule. They go through the gauntlet right off the bat. We are truly going to find out what Tom Izzo has in store for him for this season. When he faces Gonzaga on the second game of the season in the armed forces classic, then he plays Kentucky in the state farm champions classic. Then he goes against Villanova. Then he takes on Alabama. Then he takes on Notre Dame. Those are all in November. The only easy game quote unquote in the month of November for Michigan state is their first one against Northern Arizona. Other than that, they're going through the gauntlet. December gets a little easier for them, but if they are not primed and ready to go, November's going to be a very tough time for the Spartans. You know, it's funny, and I have written down on my little card, Michigan State NIT champion. Ooh. I have a feeling that that early schedule and if the three-guard rotation idea doesn't work for them, again, they'll be good. They'll be good enough to get into the NIT. They'll be a. They'll probably be on bubble watch the entire year. The entire year. Yeah, you know. But I, I, when you have a squad like this, is it really that bad to win the NIT? If you're Tom Izzo and you're towards retirement and you have this long streak of 
of making it 25 straight years, there's got to be a little bit of an ego there saying, yeah, it's bad. I would beg to differ on that one. I think for Tom Izzo to take a team and win the NIT, a team that he knows that he's going to perhaps have his heart broken in the early rounds of the NCAAs, I think that could be a way to go out the way that he wants to go out. Not just being a winner, but taking a team, seeing them battle all year, getting them at the by the end of the year to win a tournament. That could be the thing where Tom Izzo says, I'm not sure it's going to get any better than this again. And then he could he could move on. Uh, I think there are, there are plenty of people on his staff that could step in where there wouldn't be much of a of a skip of a heartbeat there. But an NIT win for a Michigan State Spartan side, uh, personally, I, I think that is the ideal last act for just a terrific uh, play starring Tom Izzo. That's an interesting concept. What do you guys think? Do you think it would be better to lose in the first or second round of an NCAA tournament or win the entire NIT tournament? That's something to keep in mind. What's your thoughts on that one? All right, let's go to the final team that we're going to talk about in the Big Ten. And we're going to call this our sleeper team. But to most, this is not a sleeper. They are the top preseason ranked team in the Big Ten at 13. The reason we're calling it a sleeper is because I feel we have a little bit of mixed feelings on this podcast about the Indiana Hoosers. They are first in most things, I would say, by default, because they were pretty decent last year. They return all their best players, and they are adding some pretty decent some pretty decent freshmen. Five-star freshman Jalen Hood-Shafino, Malik Renews coming in, Caleb Banks, so they're two four-stars. And you are welcoming back a, a plethora of your good players. If they can add some three-point shooting, which we saw was an issue last year, they should be the league's best team. However, Steve, that does seem like a big if. We're not the only ones that are still throwing that if sign around Indiana. We have seen some people take them as low as six, and then a, a majority of people do have them winning the Big Ten. That's why we have them as our sleeper, as possibly being a top runner in this conference. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm going to compare the Indiana Hoosiers to my beloved hound dog, Busy. He's busy, smart. He's affectionate. He follows commands until a squirrel or a groundhog shows up and he loses his mind and runs. And blah, 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 blah. People forget that Indiana has not had a winning record in the Big Ten play. I mean, not overall, but in the in Big Ten play, they have not had a winning record for the last six years. What? And again, they had a, they have an amazing recruiting class. I think that Hood Shafino is going to be special. I think Renault has abilities to be very, very good. When you return Trace Jackson Davis, that was a huge thing for Mike Woodson to have him come back. So I think that when you add in the recruiting and the general good feeling about this squad, that's where everybody gets all excited. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they have their treats and saying, here you go, Indiana. Yeah, good boys, good boys. Here, have your treat. Here you go. But eventually, when Big Ten play begins, someone's going to say squirrel, and they're all going to scatter. And, and and I don't know that they have – I think that's where their inexperience is going to work against them. I will concede that perhaps they have a 500 record or better in the Big Ten. But it, I 
still swallow hard on that one. And that's not fair, but and and I'm surprised what really surprises me is that the Indiana fan base yeah. has bought in one hundred percent, you know, on this. There aren't many better basketball f- fan bases. I see of a college game than Indiana. And even if you go to a Pacers game and the Pacers are almost never good, knowledgeable basketball fans are sitting in those stands. This could be more a Wizard of Oz kind of a deal where what's in, it, it, behind the scene and it looks, oh, we are, I am the great Indiana and be, you know, oh, bow before us. But eventually someone's going to peek behind the curtain and see it's just a guy frantically trying to to make it seem like things are good i think it's what we have here with, with the hoosiers I, I when you have a program like that i want to be wrong on this right but i i strongly feel in fact originally we didn't have indiana in here but especially you know the metrics reports come out and they're saying indiana 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 so you can't ignore it so that so you know, I think that's why we added it as our sleeper. I mean, we overlooked Ohio State to include Indiana, mm-hmm. but uh, I personally am not buying it. What is it about Indiana that's that's giving you hope? Because you seem to be a lot more hopeful about this program's prospects this year than I am. It's not even the prospects. It's Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, that is a really when people talk about that they are going to be first by default. I define the word default when you're talking about Indiana as Trace Jackson Davis. The reason that he came back, he's averaging almost 19 points a game, eight rebounds. He has the opportunity to not only be in the running for conference player of the year, but really national player of the year. He does have that contention. And then you see other guys like Race Thompson and Xavier Johnson. Uh, They do have some opportunities to really make some noise for this team. I'm not really too thrilled about their depth. That is going to be an issue. But I do think that Trace Jackson Davis, I think he is going to be a great leader on the court. And if they do have a chance to get back to their former blue blood self because they're no longer blue blood. They've been out of it for decades. This is the year I think they can with Jackson Davis leading the helm. I don't know if they're a team that I would take as the top team in the big 10. And we're going to put out our preseason rankings before the season starts. We'll have a nice graphic for you on Twitter at slasher sports. And you'll be able to find that and check that out. And we'll talk about it on our final preseason, our podcast, but I just, I have hope for them, just not enough to be like, this is the team that I am completely sold on. That if, that if factor we talk about, it still fills me. I just don't know. Can they shoot the three? We know scoring is a huge asset, and the three ball is a big thing. The game is only evolving to add that even more. I ha- I don't see a single player that they added or brought back that is going to help them do that. And that is a possibility in that big hump of getting those winning record in the Big Ten to do that and you have to have a, a decent record in the big 10 in order to you know have a good seed in the tournament and run the whole show i think we'll see indiana as a tournament team i just don't see them as the big 10 champions not yet at least i could be wrong they start off their season a pr- uh, pretty decent they do play xavier in the middle of the month of november in the gabbit tip-off games at the end of the month of november acc big 10 challenge they do play unc that'll be a tough test end of november around thanksgiving Let's see if Indiana's for real when they take on the Tar Heels, who made it to the Final Four National Championship game last year. And then in December, we'll see them in the Las Vegas Clash against Arizona. That's always a, a, a tough team. Arizona's always a tough team. And then right after that, 
we see them against Kansas. So they got two tough games in November, two tough games in December. We should have a very good idea heading into 2023 what kind of team we're looking at with Indiana.